the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening. I'm Kyle Welch, and welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. We are here every night at this time on KKLA to share the good news of Jesus Christ and to lift up His name to the entire city of Los Angeles. No matter if you are listening tonight from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that tonight's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to all our listeners. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Today, I want to look at pillar number three on the Holy Spirit of God because we believe that anything that happens here in this church that has to do with changing someone's heart is all due to the Spirit of the living God that is at work in the hearts of man. In Ezekiel chapter 37, there's a story about a valley full of dry bones. Uh, The Bible says that they're dry. In other words, they're bones, but they've been dead for a long, long time. The bones are brittle. There's no life of any kind. And God tells Ezekiel to preach, to prophesy. And the Bible says that as Ezekiel preaches, that those dead, brittle bones in that valley begin to rattle. They begin to dance, so to speak. And as Ezekiel preaches, just like the song, as these bones begin to dance, the the toe bone connects to the foot bone that connects to the ankle bone that connected to the leg bone that connected to the hip bone and the hip bone connected to the backbone. And God told Ezekiel, you keep preaching. And so all these bones come to life and they connect to each other they're just skeletons but as ezekiel preaches the word of god then all of a sudden flesh comes onto those bones and god says keep preaching and then as he preached god breathed life into those once dead bones and as a result man was restored israel was restored all because the spirit of god moved across that valley now In the exact same way, in my opinion, there are a lot of dead bones in the San Fernando Valley. There's millions of people who are lost, who are broken, who are confused, who do not understand the things of God. But as we lift up Jesus, and as we preach His Word, the Spirit of God begins to move across this land and across this valley. And marriages are restored. And families are put back together. And prodigals return home. And miracles happen. And the sick are made whole. And the addicted are set free. And God begins to restore 
people and churches become alive and well, and the preacher no longer preaches uh, dry, boring sermons. But as the preacher begins to preach the truth of God's Word, the Spirit of God begins to move, and the people who are listening to those sermons, God begins to move in their hearts. And folks open up their lives, and all of a sudden, revival breaks out in the valley, all because the Spirit of God begins to move in the hearts and lives of man. Jesus, in John chapter 14, it's it's the night of His betrayal. In just a few hours, He will be arrested and thrown upon a cross. It's one of the last times that he has to talk to his disciples. So his words are important. And he says in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will obey my what? Obey my commands. And then he says in verse 16, and don't forget, he's getting ready to leave them. He knows that they're going to suffer from separation anxiety. And Jesus understands the need of our souls for human contact and comfort and relationship. And so, in John chapter 14, he's been with these guys for three years. He's getting ready to leave. He can see in their eyes their fear. He can see in their eyes their doubt. He can see in their eyes their struggle. And so he says this in verse 16. He says, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor who will be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. There are three major truths or thoughts about the Holy Spirit I want to give to you today. Number one, write this down. I want to talk to you about the reality of the Holy Spirit. The reality of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the most difficult task for a Christian is to explain to a non-Christian the reality of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in verse 17. He said the world cannot accept Him because... It neither sees Him. We know that because you can't see the Holy Spirit. But He says the world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you, and He will be in you. I liken it to gravity. I can't see gravity, and to be honest with you, I can't even explain gravity to you. But I experience it every single day of my life. And therefore, I believe in it. Likewise, I've never seen the Holy Spirit. Never, not once, have I seen the Holy Spirit. But I experience the Holy Spirit every single day of my life. So I believe in Him. So if someone, if you're witnessing to someone, they've never seen the Holy Spirit, because you can't see the Holy Spirit, and they have never experienced the Holy Spirit, then don't be surprised when it's difficult when, you, when they don't understand what you're trying to say to them. Jesus to his disciples in verse 18 says, I will not leave you as orphans. He's trying to tell them something. When I leave, I'm not going to leave you alone. I, I will be back. He says in chapter 16, verse 7, in fact, I tell you this truth, it is actually for your good that I'm going to go away because unless I go away, The counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit of God. Now, here's the reality. Write this down. The Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. The Trinity. You have God the Father, God the Son, 
and God the Holy Spirit. They're all three one and the same, but they're all three different. I know that's a little confusing, but really, you can all relate to H2O, water. You have liquid, steam, or a solid. It's all H2O. It's the same, but it's three different forms. And that's what the Trinity is. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're different, but they're the same. Now, different scriptures in the Bible, as you read, there's many verses where you see the Trinity in one verse. One of my favorite examples is in Matthew chapter 3, where Jesus is being baptized, and he's standing there, the Son. Jesus, God the Son, is being baptized. You have the dove come, which is a form of the Holy Spirit. So you see Jesus, you see the Holy Spirit, and then you hear the voice of God that says, this is my Son with whom I'm well pleased. So in one verse, you can see the Trinity at work. And so the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. Number two, it comes at the point of salvation. You receive this gift the moment you're saved, the moment you give your life to Christ. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, that you will receive a gift. And what is the gift? The gift of the Holy Spirit. The moment you trust in God, the moment you put your faith in Jesus, the moment you repent, the moment you're baptized, God puts that part of that Trinity, God the Spirit, and where does that Spirit go? Look at point number three. He puts the Spirit inside of you. We know that He comes to dwell within your body. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? I want you to touch your body, your nose, your ear, your love handles. (laughs) Isn't it amazing that this earthly, fallen vessel that God chooses to put His Spirit inside of this earthly body. It's why you need to be careful how you exercise and what you eat and how you treat your body. Because that's where the Holy Spirit of God resides. Uh, There's a verse in Romans 8 that says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not even belong to Christ. It's a given fact that the moment you give your life to Christ, He puts that Spirit in you and it resides inside your body. And the fourth thing, write this down, He doesn't come in sections. You don't get half of the Spirit now and half of them later. So the reality is that He's part of the Trinity. You receive Him at the point as a gift, at the point of salvation. He dwells within your body and you get all of Him, not parts of Him. The second point that I have is the role. What is the role? What's He doing in there? He's inside of you. What's he doing in there? That's a good question. He counsels you. He reminds you of things. Have you ever treated your wife in a certain way and all of a sudden it dawned on you, I'm not supposed to treat her that way? Do you know who it was that reminded you of that? It was the Lord, it was the Lord Jesus Christ of the Holy Spirit. 
Have you ever made a vow or a commitment at church that you're going to live for God? And about two weeks go by and you forget about the commitment? And you're involved in something you should not be involved in? And one day you go, man, I, man, I remember just two weeks ago I made... Do you know who it was that reminded you of that decision? It was the Holy Spirit. That's what He does in there. He counsels you. He reminds you. He guides you. He convicts you. The Holy Spirit is that entity inside of you when you're doing something wrong and you go, man, I know I shouldn't be doing this. That's not because you have a great memory. That's because God's Spirit is touching your heart, saying, hey, 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 stop. You shouldn't be doing this. I, I write this down, and this isn't even good English. The Holy Spirit joys you. And what I mean by that is that the Holy Spirit is the one that fills you full of joy. He empowers you. He's the one that gives you strength. He's the one that unites us here today, even though we come from different walks of life. I I love the diversity in this church. Why is there so much division around the world, but in church we have so much unity? Well, it's the Spirit of God that has united us to the Lord and unites us to one another. We truly feel as though we are one family here today because of the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit seals you. The Holy Spirit comforts you. Write this down. The Holy Spirit transforms you. I want to show you this verse, 2 Corinthians 3.18. We who are with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. And the word glory, there's the word character. The Lord's character. We reflect the Lord's character and we are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Some of you don't understand that when you become a Christian, that God puts His Spirit in there to transform you. Some people do not understand. I hear it almost every week. Well, I'm, I'm not going to become a Christian because I just can't live that life. So I, I'm going to wait until I, until I fix myself and I can do it right on my own and then I'm going to come to Jesus. Oh, you will never come then because you're not capable of living the way you ought to live by yourself. It's not even possible. What happens is you make a decision, a choice. God gives you free will. Do you want to follow Christ or not follow Christ? And if you decide that I want to serve Jesus, you come forward, you make that profession of faith, we baptize you into His name, all of a sudden God gives you that gift. You're still the same old rascal you've always been. But at that moment, God's Spirit comes into you, and that Spirit begins to transform you. Sometimes it happens overnight. Sometimes it happens in a week or a month. Sometimes it takes years. But that Spirit of God is what transforms you into being like Christ. And so we know that the Holy Spirit has a role to play, and we all need that Holy Spirit in us to do that role. Here's point number three. What is the result of the Holy Spirit doing all these things, teaching me, guiding me, directing me, convicting me, empowering me, uniting me with other... What happens? Well, number one, you're never alone. You're never, ever alone. Jesus said the counselor will be with you for how long? Forever. Once the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, He's there forever. 
You can't push a pause button and say, Lord, okay, now you go over there because I'm going over here. Can't do that. He's with you forever. He's not blind. He sees everything. You see, if you're living right, it's a good thing to know the Lord's in there. You're glad that He's there. If you're not living right, oh, it's an uncomfortable thing to realize that the Lord is with you when you're surfing on the internet. He's right there with you. Whether your spouse is there or not, the Lord is with you. You are never alone. Secondly, the Holy Spirit produces fruit. The Bible says in Galatians 5 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, oh, there's that word again, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You say, I don't have any of that. Well, that's because you don't have the Spirit of God. Because if you had the Spirit of God, you'd have all those things. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And not only does He give you the character fruit, He also gives you a certain skill set, certain gifts and abilities that God's Spirit allows you to use to serve the body of Christ. Because we're in this thing together. And God has given you gifts. He's given me gifts through the Holy Spirit that we use to serve God's body. Number three, Christ-likeness. We've talked about this. 2 Thessalonians 2.13, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, through belief in the truth. Now, stay with me. When you believe in truth and the Spirit of God uses the truth and He guides us into shaping us to being like Jesus Christ. It's called Christ-likeness. The Holy Spirit's at work inside of you. You go, what's He doing in there? He's turning in you to be like Jesus. Well, how does He do that? He just knocks off everything that doesn't look like Jesus in your life. It's called sanctification, sanctifying you. It's a deposit. That Spirit comes inside of you. It's a guarantee of what's to come. Now I'm going to tell you another story. 2 Kings, Israel is a divided kingdom, the north and the south. The north is Israel, south is Judah. The king of Israel is a man named Joram, King Joram. He's the son of Ahab, and Ahab was one of the worst kings that Israel ever had. So the son has all the bad, evil things that his dad was doing. Judah has a good king, but he's got a bad name. His name is Jehoshaphat. How would you like to be called Jehoshaphat? (laughs) So you've got King Joram and King Jehoshaphat of Judah. And one day they were going to go to battle with with the Moabites, and the Moabites were the enemies of God. And the king of Israel decides that he he wants to join forces with Judah. And so he goes to King Jehoshaphat and he says, hey, why don't you join me because we're stronger together. Let's join together and let's go fight the Moabites. Well, King Jehoshaphat, you know, he's a smart guy. He's thinking to himself, after the Moabites defeat Israel, they're probably just going to keep coming and, and take over Judah. I'm probably better off teaming with King Joram 
at this point of my life. And so he agrees to go to battle against the Moabites. They go and they get a third king. He's the king of Edom, and Edom is an evil king. So you got two evil kings. And Jehoshaphat, together they join forces, and they're going to fight the Moabites. The Bible says that there were different routes that they could take, and they take this one route that goes through the desert. And they're in the desert for seven days. And at the end of the seven days, they ran out of water. And they're about to die of thirst. Literally, they can't take another step. They're so weak from no water. Not only them, their horses are about to die because they have no water. Somebody says, don't you have a preacher around here somewhere? And someone says, well, there's a man named Elisha who used to pour water on the hands of the prophet Elijah. Elijah's gone. But there was this one guy who used to pour water over the hands of Elijah. His name's Elijah. Let's go get him. So they go get Elisha. Elisha, can you help us? Can you cry out to God? Because remember, they're evil kings. Elisha says two things. Number one, go get a harp. Why would he say go get a harp? Well, because when you worship, guess who shows up? God shows up. The second thing that he said is very confusing. He says, uh, I want you to dig some ditches. What? I want you to dig ditches and dig as many as you can. Well, why would we do that? Well, because God's going to bring some water and he's going to fill all these ditches full of water. They said, well, that doesn't even make sense. Look up, there's not even a cloud in the sky. The wind is not even blowing, not even a breath of wind. How's God going to bring rain or water in the middle of the desert? He said, dig your ditches. The larger, the better. So with no water, dying of thirst, they have to make a choice. Are we going to dig a ditch or are we not going to dig a ditch? And they decide to dig ditches in the middle of the desert. After seven days of no water, it wasn't fun. It wasn't easy. It was hot. They were about to die. But they were told, dig a ditch. During the middle of the night, the Spirit of God began to flow. And the Spirit of God brought water without rain. He brought water out of Edom and filled every single one of those ditches were completely full of water. And the men of Israel and Judah and Edom drank that water. They watered their horses. They were having a party. Meanwhile, the king of Moab was up in these hills. And he looked down into the valley... As the sun started to come up, it reflected against the water. He didn't know about the ditches. He didn't know about the water. He saw the reflection of the sun. It looked red. And he thought, well, those armies all turned against each other and they slaughtered each other, and that's the blood. He says, now's the time for us to attack. And they come down to the valley and do not realize that he faces three armies that are refreshed and renewed. And the Bible says that the Israelites routed the Moabites that day. The moral of that story, you do what you can do. 
and let God do what only God can do. What is it that God is asking you to do that you don't want to do? What is it that God's asking you to do that just seems like it's too difficult for you to do? If you would only do it, dig that ditch, you would see the Spirit of God begin to move in your life in ways that you've never seen before. And right now, this very moment, all over this room, the Spirit of God is moving in lives of people that you can't imagine what God is doing. If you were moved by Pastor Dudley's message tonight, we want you to know we have phone counselors standing by and ready to pray with you right now. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We are ready for any prayer requests or needs you may have. Ephesians 6 reminds us of the many gifts we have been given by God. And prayer is one of the greatest assets we have as Christians to fend off any attack by the enemy. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.